but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> Here's what I want to know, all right? I, I guess I, oh, it just occurred to me, I can ask Jeb, because you are the ATP um, pilot here. Uh-huh. You are the ATP uh-huh. rated, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Uh, you airline transport pilots do use checklists, right? We, uh, yes, we do, yes. So then, and I would imagine that one of the entries on the checklist someplace is turn on the cabin pressure system. Right. It's, it's going to be on the, the pre-takeoff checklist. How in the world do you forget? I, obviously, you just forget. You, you, you don't missed, run the checklist. That's yeah, how you, you forget. You missed an item in the checklist. So what was this? Uh, some, some airliner here. Jet Airways, which I, I'm not sure if they're European or, or let's, let's find out. I, when I first heard this, I thought it was um, uh, Southeast Asia. Yeah, it's Mumbai to Jaipur, which is Indian. So okay, yeah. So it's it's not a, a mainline carrier. Still, still, um, they're mostly good pilots too. I mean, and uh, um, but uh, yeah. So and then I don't know. So what? I, I guess I haven't read the story in a little while. How did this play out? Did the did the oxygen masks drop? Or I mean, there's you, video of this on this um, this link is, posted and. Is and it masks really? did drop. I mean, um, wouldn't what that... I don't understand. They're saying um, pilots forgot to bleeding from their nose and ears. Yeah, and, unless unless the, the crew decided, oh, we're at twenty thousand feet. That's a good time to pressurize the cabin. Um, I, you would think that you would think that when the masks drop, the flight attendants would pick up the phone and call the cockpit. All right, you know, and say, um, what's going on? You well, know, you, 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 there's a, I'm sure there's an enunciation in the in the cockpit that the masks drop. Yeah, and, but, and they drop before it gets like nosebleed territory, don't they? I would, I don't know, maybe they don't. Well, nosebleed territory is a is a fairly unscientific measurement. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's uh, a tweet here on this on this link. So, airplane lost pressure immediately after takeoff. Scores of passengers, including me, bleeding from nose, no staff to help, no announcement on board. Um, da, 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 da. The airplane apparently returned to Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know. Then there's that Falcon that that ran off the end of the runway in Greenville. Yeah, well, but last that's week, last week. Whole whole different situation, but clearly there was some training issues there too. And, and that's you know they don't guys that didn't have appropriate ratings for that. Well, yeah, that, which is a one would assume that the the jet airways pilots had some level of training. They just messed up. Um, yeah, the 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 yeah the biz jet that went off the end is a. I wanted to talk. Actually, I want to talk about that at some point. Um, maybe not at the beginning here because. Because that's a pretty serious story, and uh, uh, I mean this one's serious too. But it's it's a little bit goofball that uh, you know, oops, we forgot to turn on the air. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, oops, yeah. Here, I, let me let me bang your ears a little bit. You know, just yet another part of the adventure of airline travel. I, you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The day is coming when I never ever will fly on an airplane where I can't see out the front window. Um, it's just. Airlines. Okay, yeah. don't get me started. This is not an airline podcast. So, anyways, it is an aviation podcast, and, and these yeah. are really all related topics. But uh, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they 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 blew through the checklist on that. Um, the, my question is, what other checklist items did they miss? I uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, and uh, I know, David, you're awful quiet. What do you think about this? I don't know what to think about this. You know, it just defies me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is it more sinister than just they messed up? Well, it, it it points out that we've got some pretty good disparity between equipment and technologies uh, in, in the airline business. I mean, more and more of these aircrafts have automated systems that dial this stuff up and down uh, according to what the altimeter is reading and keeps the cabin altitude fairly stable. And there are others that are strictly manual. And if you miss that on the checklist, it's it's going to cause some issues. Uh, there have been other instances where the uh, the flight crew f- forgot to uh, to turn off the pressurization, yeah. and they landed, and then they had trouble opening the door mm-hmm. because all that pressure on the inside was uh, in, in excess of the outside pressure was keeping right. them from opening the door. Then they foolishly dumped the pressure and caused everybody's ears to pop. Yeah. And, and, and in some case, ruptured eardrums. And so, do either of you know how this works on an airliner? Is there a dis- discrete button that says "turn on cabin pressurization," or is it part of some other larger system? There's a control panel that, uh, in in this varies from aircraft to aircraft. The more modern aircraft are are pretty foolproof uh, and automated, uh, but there's going to be a control panel. Um, all right, so you know what? Uh, what cabin altitude do you want? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay what's, yeah. what's your maximum cabin altitude? Right, and, and that's um, in a lot of ways. As long as the the system is functioning correctly and you know the switches are you know, uh, on in the right position, that's pretty much a foolproof system. Also, yeah. even even a, an older um, non digital airplane. Is going to have a uh, an electromechanical uh, means to adjust and moderate uh, the pressure, right? And usually a cabin altimeter to show you what the cabin exactly. altitude exactly. is, or a pressure gauge to show you what the differential is with the outside. Yeah, the cabin altitude is the more useful of the of the two, and and more common these days. So you can look right down there. It's on almost all the integrated flight displays. There's a little window in the PFD that says, or in the MFD that says what the cabin altitude is and shows you if it's in the green range. And if it gets too low, it it shows you in yellow. If it gets too high, it shows in red. Because if it gets too high, you can blow out things, seals and but, yeah. uh, so it there's indicators there that tells you what that cabin altitude is, and it, if you start climbing uh, away from the runway, and the cabin altitude is tracking the uh, uh, pressure altitude outside in lockstep, you've missed a step somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Now, the, the example that I come to is that so for for the better part of the twelve years that we've been recording this podcast, um, I we used a system where recording happened automatically. I didn't have to hit a button. All right, that if I did other obvious things, the recording would also be happening. And for for the better part of twelve years, well, eleven years, because in the early days it was a problem. That's why we started the new system. Um, for the better part of eleven years, we never failed to record 
the actual our, us talking, which of course is a good and a bad thing. But um, and then we changed systems about two, three, four months ago, and all of a sudden I've now have to press the button. There's a you know it's like a, I better add an li- item to the checklist because now recording is a discrete step in the process, and as a result, I missed it a couple of times in a row. Didn't miss it today. I'm happy to say. Um, I don't know. I just wondered whether or not turning on cabin pressurization is a discrete step or if it's supposed to be automatically turned on when they do something else that... It, it, it varies with the aircraft. Exactly. Yeah, okay. The newer airplanes would be as you describe. It's, it's as long as everything else is copacetic that it'll do it itself. But the, the older ones, uh, you still have to kind of yeah. do it manually. It, it's not clear um, which... 737 model this was right that's what i was going to say it's a 737 which is a fairly you know reputable airplane but you never know how it's equipped okay well let's not do that again okay yeah let's let's not do that again yeah anyways yeah we can all do better and speaking of not doing that again, <laughs> welcome, folks. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in uh, beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire. It was 80 degrees here yesterday. It's the middle of October. It was 80 degrees here yesterday and the day before, two days in a row. Um, it's uh, crazy, crazy weather. Uh, no, I'm not complaining. It was beautiful. Loved it. Put on the shorts again for the first time. About a month, so uh, um, it's. Uh, but then, of course, it's raining today, and uh, and much more seasonable temperatures. So, well, anyways, are you going to see remnants of Michael? I, it doesn't look like it. Um, I I was actually looking at this. Um, theoretically, it passes a beam us uh, on Friday afternoon, um, and although it's rainy today, it's not forecast to be rainy tomorrow so so it looks like no not to say that we won't see some clouds or i don't know what but the forecast doesn't call for any significant rain tomorrow it's raining pretty good well not this minute but it's forecast to rain pretty good today and that's way too soon i think for it to be michael related maybe not you know but uh anyways yeah Another hurricane. We may talk about that a little bit later on, too. I'm here in the uh, virtual hangar where it's not raining, uh, where I'm talking to my two good friends uh, about uh, all things aviation. Uh, that that voice you were just listening to is uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. That's Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. What's going on? Well, I'm kind of looking out the window here myself and uh, started out the day uh, uh, low overcast and, and a, lot of, a lot of moisture, sliced the humidity with a knife. Yeah, uh, or a fork, you did or a see some of this storm. Yeah, we did see some of Michael go by, uh, the supposed tornado warning uh, yesterday afternoon, which got a lot of attention. But uh, it's fairly benign. We had you know a little bit of a little bit of wind, um, not much. Took down a palm frond maybe, uh, and uh, just a lot of showery uh, showery precipitation. If mm-hmm. you can say that mm-hmm. today. Um, uh, a lot of humidity left behind. There's a, a cold front uh, trying to sneak in from the uh, northwest here and might take it a couple of days. So what what I see is what I get for the next couple of days, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, welcome. And uh, my other good you. friend, yeah, my other good friend here in the virtual hangar from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, is Dave Higdon. Hi, David. How you doing? Oh, well, we're uh, enjoying the first sunny morning in several days uh, mm-hmm. after uh, 
Well, we picked up here at uh, in, in my hacienda, hacienda, we picked up a little over five inches of rain between Sunday evening and Wednesday morning. Sunday wow. and Wednesday, wow, that's a lot of rain, yeah. And uh, rain farther north and east of here, the rivers are way up. Uh, they actually closed the uh, main river to any recreational use because of how high the water is and how fast it's going over a couple of dams. So, uh, but it's crisp and cool, acting like fall. And uh, before I sat down here in front of the computer to do this, I saw uh, three airplanes fly overhead on departure from uh, Eisenhower Airport. One of them, I think, might have been the uh, uh, citation. I want to get this right. Hemisphere. That's the oh, really. One. Yeah, it was a, a green airplane with a a, a, a Cyrano's de Bergerac flight probe on the nose mm-hmm. and uh, and headed out. And it was big enough to make me think that it was the, uh, if not the longitude, I believe it was the hemisphere, but cool. uh, couldn't read the tail number from down here. But it's a lovely day. The winds are calm and, and a good day to get off the dime and get this podcast going. Yeah, I, I and I, I want to thank you, David. I know you're on deadline to finish some stuff before traveling to Florida for uh, MBAA. So uh, thanks for taking some time. We'll try and use it well. Um, and uh, so uh, speaking of which, speaking of storms, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in the list here just because it kind of seems to fit. Um, yeah, we had another hurricane hit the continental United States uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, I guess yesterday was the big day. Today's it's Thursday, October 11th when we're recording this. And I guess it was yesterday or, or yesterday morning when uh, um, when this hurricane Michael uh, came on shore in the Florida panhandle. And uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of reports that are very reminiscent of a few weeks back in Carolina um, of massive flooding and wind damage and water damage and, and, and whatnot. And uh, our, our thoughts are with those folks and hope everything is, is you know, reasonably okay. Um, you know, Michael hit the shore. It was, uh, it was just coming down from uh, uh, Category 5 status to Category 4. Right. And is still inundating the southeast with uh, a, a lot of rain. Yeah. And as I mean, it moves that- up into the Carolinas, where they just had this a few weeks ago, uh, I, I'm, in, I'm betting that they're not really ready for another inundation like they're, they're getting today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, uh, of the Hurricane Florence, um, we talked about this on the last podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, the value of GA and GA airports when these kinds of disasters happen. Um, and uh, we heard from a listener, and I really wanted to kind of talk. This is sort of a shout out from a listener. Um, listener, what's the listener's name? Michael H. Uh, a listener, Michael H. wrote, uh, sent us an email uh, where he talked about uh, Operation Airdrop. He said on, a mo- on the most recent airport, episode, you talked about the role of GA in helping those impacted by Hurricane Florence. If you're looking for a specific shout-out suggestion, Operation Airdrop absolutely deserves it. Making their base uh, in the GA terminal at at RDU, Romeo Delta Uniform, uh, they loaded and launched 475 GA flights carrying 
280,692 pounds of cargo over the course of just six days. Flights went to numerous airports, including Wilmington, while that city was isolated for several days, and many smaller airports in the region. Um, At any time of day, dozens of volunteers were working in the terminal, and of course there was a huge support from pilots. The general public was amazing, dropping off goods and even having them shipped from Amazon. By all accounts, the operation was run very effectively, and these folks deserve a shout-out for making a real difference. Uh, It's called Operation Airdrop, uh, and uh, there's a couple of different stories. We'll put links in the show notes um, to uh, 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 both aviation media and mainstream media stories about these activities, and uh, uh, a very, very good example of of these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, Good stuff, and I'm sure it's happening again down in uh, in the yeah, uh, Florida Georgia area. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, um, with the caveat, of course, um, you know, don't don't go off and try and do this stuff single handed. Find a, a program, find some uh, organized operation that you can participate in if you're so inclined, um, and uh, you know, help GA help these folks who are having and troubles. Be on your toes. Don't don't embarrass anybody. Yeah, 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 that's true, right? Because you're going to fly into some some gnarly situations, more gnarly than you normally fly into, I bet. Yeah. You know? So and don't fly what you're not qualified for. Yeah, yeah. So, and, anyways, and do a weight and balance, please. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, people, you know, yeah, load up their airplanes and think, okay, well, you know, one time well, only. Nose no, wheel still on the ground. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. It must yeah. be imbalanced. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, excellent. Thank you to listener Michael yeah, H. For very that. much that shout out um and uh let's see now i'm trying to get now i'm out of order i have to figure out here what's going here um unrelated to hurricanes or maybe related to hurricanes i don't know uh we have an author reauthorized the faa has been reauthorized there's money now to run the faa it's which a miracle which could be a good thing or a bad thing as well i don't know um but i guess it's a good thing right it's a reasonable bill we're happy with it yeah i mean mostly I, I, go ahead Dave. i was just gonna say mostly it's all on the None of these are ever perfect for everybody, and uh, the uh, there's some grumbling from the uh, uh, hobby aviation people over changes to the drone registration. Uh, there's some uh, other issues with kind of non sequitur stuff that was put in the bill, but we're ecstatic that the FAA has a full five year reauthorization to work with and plan and budget and uh, even got a boost in funding. So, uh, and no language re- relating to privatizing air traffic control. No, no privatizing the ATC system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to, to paw through it. I've been tilting over windmills here. Um, but uh, all the, the um, usual suspects have, have lined up and, and, and lauded the, uh, um, the passage of the bill and, and uh, talking about the, you know various things that are in it. Um, I see uh, here from from the NBAA press release, for example, that um, um, the uh, block aircraft registration request program (BARR) uh, is is uh, preserved. Um, what is that's, that? That's the one where if you don't want your end number to show up on on FlightAware or something like that. Um, you can request that. Ah, is that why you've disappeared? I have not disappeared. I, I know actually, I'm not. Um, um, I'm not. I used to be on that, and yeah. I may get on it again. 
Um, now, will that know. also block you from ADSB information as well? No, because no. because well, FlightAware is now reporting ADSB information, right. or related information. Right. And, the way uh, the way that works is um, the you know uh, the FAA facilities get the um, un, undiluted, unedited feed, mm-hmm. um, and then before it goes to third party uh, um, distributors. Um, if the in number is requested to be blocked, it gets blocked there before it goes to those third parties. So, FlightAware would not get that data it on, would, a, on it would a blocked not. flight. Okay. All right. So, yeah. <clears throat> but um, in route, you know, in, in you know, operationally, um, there would be no impact uh, ADSB in or out. Right. Right. Which. That's good, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, uh, right, okay. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm actually planning ahead for episodes, things later in the episodes. This is a classic example of me having to divide my attention and doing it. When you listen to this later on, you'll know. And doing it badly, I know, right, yeah. So, uh, so FAA authoriz- reauthorization, good thing, yay. Great. It's been signed by the White House. <laughs> uh, it's uh, as done a deal as these things ever get. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. But speaking of ADSB, um so what? David, you posted put this on the list. The there's been some stats showing that the uh, ADSB equipage numbers are are not what we'd like to see or not what the government would like to see or well, uh, the uh, numbers for October 1 of this year showed uh 64,766 equipped with 58,267 of those having passed the, uh, the the flight check and shown as good installs, uh, 6,000 uh, non-participating aircraft means that they got the system, but it didn't pass the flight check or hadn't yet as of the time when they logged this. And when you consider how many aircraft that we have in the GA fleet and how many airliners and business jets, the... Uh, this is not a set of numbers that shows us closing in on full compliance by January one, twenty twenty. Right, right. Because what what is it we what is it we think the current number of uh, airworthy aircraft is these days? Well, in GA aircraft, they keep talking about one hundred eighty thousand, uh, and I don't know if that includes the business jet fleet or not, because the business jet fleet is substantial. It's 24,000, 25,000 aircraft. Uh, so you have, uh, and in the airliners, which do their wonderful political connections, have an exemption to extend their compliance deadline. And it's understandable because airliners were built in so many different configurations with so many different avionics packages that finding a solution for all of these has been uh, a, a real challenge because a, a lot of these airliners don't even have uh, WASP GPS. They may have a GPS navigator built into the flight management system, mm-hmm. but it's not at the uh, TSO level that will let it serve as a position source for an ADSB out transponder. And a lot of these aircraft, commercial aircraft, they have dual everything. So you got to put in two of those transponders and hook them up in a way that either one of them can carry the signal. You mm-hmm. need a precision 
position source, of which WASP GPS is the most popular because it's the least expensive. But there are other position sources like ring laser gyros that will uh, meet the performance standard. So uh, we're, we're, we're behind the curve, to say the least, and from the avionics shops I've talked to for a, a recent story in Avionics News, uh, they're, they're booking seven, eight months out right. for more complex installations right now. That means you sign up here in October of 2018, uh, you're looking at July or August before they're going to roll your spinner into the shop and start to tear into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately for the, our end of the fleet, there have been some uh, uh, very creative, very simple all-in-one solutions uh, brought to market in the last couple of years. Uh the Sky Beacon uh, from Uvionics, uh, which basically bolts on in place of the left recognition light and wired up, but it's got the GPS engine. It's approved, and and, and here's your transponder and automatically syncs the code. Uh, Garmin has a little box that plugs in just ahead of the transponder antenna, and you put the GPS antenna on the roof. And that's a, a about a two-hour job, I'm told, by people that have put a couple of them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And a, some shops, and it doesn't have to be an avionics shop putting in, so some shops are uh, letting the owners work with their, uh, 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 their uh, AI to do the physical work, and then they do the test, and it's signing off, and, and it's uh, a legal install. So those folks have less of a worry about queuing up. But anybody with something more complicated, uh, it, it could take a while. I mean, look how long it took for Jeb to get his uh, L3 unit put in and, and, and working when uh, he put it in Debbie a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right, right. I was, I was getting some other work done at the same time, but, um, yeah, it, it, yeah. Was not, it was not a turnkey. Well, I won't say it wasn't a turnkey thing. It wasn't a plug and play. Uh, you're out the shop same day thing, right? Right. Now, transponder. Now, maybe related to this low equipage numbers stat or information is news that we heard in the last week or so that FAA may be about to bring back the $500 subsidy for some period of time. Are, are mm-hmm. you hearing this story? Um, that was I, I don't, one of the tidbits that came out of the most recent. Uh, AOPA regional flying. I know, and and we're gonna no spoilers, please, because we're gonna talk about the big tidbit in a second. But the uh, but yeah, the ADSB subsidy thing was one of the smaller tidbits, um, and uh, which puts <laughs> so Jeb will have been a double double victim of this whole thing, right? You know, it's like exactly you know, exactly. it's like timing is everything. I know, right? You were a good guy, and you went out and got your ADSB before the program started, um, and then now because you didn't wait, you're you know you're doubly hit. Um, but I guess this is good, and, and for, especially if the numbers are this low. I mean, David, if I'm hearing the numbers you just quoted correctly, it's something on the order of 60-plus percent of the fleet are not yet equipped. Um, that's that's correct, and it, it bears uh, pointing out that some of the fleet will never be equipped. Yeah, so some percent and, and will choose not to. And doesn't have to be. Right, exactly. But uh, still, it's 60% is a big... That can't be 60%, that number, all right? But um, of the fleet that needs to be as one of my avionics contacts put it is we're about 
40% short of where the, the, the full compliance on the fleet that needs to have this. Right. And that's the people that fly in Bravos and Charlies and in uh, uh, special use airspace that already requires a mode C or a mode S transponder. That's You're going to have to have ADS-B there because the next step in the plan after full compliance is to start shutting down some of these radar systems that will no longer be needed to track uh, in route traffic mm-hmm. uh, because it'll all be on ADS-B, which is phenomenally more accurate than radar to begin with. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're looking well, at they've... saving maintenance money and equipment uh, update money and they're going to do the same thing with a lot of the VORs that are in route. Uh, yeah. One, particularly VORs that aren't part of an instrument approach. Right. Um, well, if they're going to, you know, and now that, the, now that the buzz is out there that they might reinstate the $500 subsidy, they better do it soon because otherwise it's going to have the uh, reverse effect of um, it's going to actually delay a equipment point. even yeah. further. Yeah. Because while the while the rumor is out there that it might come back, people are going to further delay um, adding their ADS, ADSB. And, and, uh, and here, here's a hint for those of you that might take that tact. Don't wait Go ahead and put it in, but then wait to do the paperwork and test it when the program starts. That's a good so way to look at it, not yeah. Way back in the queue waiting to get the install work done. You get the install work done, and then you wait for the program to start, and you file the paperwork, and you do the test that qualifies the install, and you send it in, and they send you a $500 check. Yeah. So don't wait for the program to start to arrange to buy and install your equipment go ahead and do that just don't put the paperwork through and subject it to the uh, required testing until the program started and then you get your uh, rebate right Right. because five hundred dollars aside it's only going to get harder and harder to find a shop that can put this stuff in exactly well and think about it uh, 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 the uvionic sky beacon and the garmin i think it's the gdl 82 which are essentially one-box plug-and-play solutions, particularly the Sky Beacon, these are less than two grand. So 500 bucks off of that is a, is, is a big percentage off of your purchase price. Yeah, for me, that's like, you know, uh, a four- or five-leg trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, just, just anyways, ADSB. So. Um, yeah, the well, other – I'm sorry, ahead. did you want to finish the thought, Jeb? Yeah, I was going to move on. Depends on what you were going to say. I was about to move on to a new subject. Well, I was just going to point out that uh, there are a lot of aircraft out there that should ultimately have ADS-B um, installed. Um, those, there's a, a similar number of aircraft that will have ADS-B installed uh, after the deadline. Um, the only drawback to that that strategy is they can't enter uh, A, B, or C airspace. That may or may not be a problem for a lot of people. And it may be a kind of thing where, eh, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Once the once the rush dies down, I'll be able to sneak into the shop and, and get this done. And uh, I don't have any need to go into to, to B or C anyway and yada, yada. And, you know, that's probably not a in the long run probably not a bad plan um you're certainly going to see um i think two things develop in in 2020 21 22 
one of those things is going to be that the shops will have space and time uh, to deal with your airplane. Uh, the other thing you'll see is um, um, ADSB equipment will be rather more ubiquitous, and uh, the pricing on it will be um, different than it is now. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I can certainly see an argument for a delay, um, but only and only for those operators that don't need to be in A, B, or C airspace. Yeah, uh, there's another article out there somewhere, Dave. You probably saw it on uh, your man, and hell, you might have written it, uh, where there's going to be some retirements of uh, business jets. Um. Uh, late next year, where there either there isn't a solution or the solution is too costly um, to install on the jet because not only is there an avionics issue, but those jets uh, have uh, an AD pending on the engines. Uh, the engine AD being perhaps uh, being a lot more expensive, and what you're simply going to see is people parking those jets. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, um, but that's that could be a thing too. It's mainly, I think, older. I'm not. I, I'm not going to say. I, I, was, I was definitely older aircraft. Let's put it that way. Right. Older, older business jets. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, uh, but let's. I, I we kind of need to move along here um, because I want to talk about this other bit of news that came, or at least for uh, for me, there were two bits of news that came out of. I think it was the, the big AOPA gathering um, a week or so ago. Yeah. Um, one was the ADSB subsidy, perhaps coming back, um, but the other one that's got people very, very excited is the uh, possibility that FAA is going to raise the weight limitation and other restrictions on um, the definition of LSA. Um, and, uh, that's, that's a pretty interesting thing. Um, what do you guys think about this? I'm not sure what to think. Well, here's, I've communicated with a couple of my uh, remaining contacts at 800 independence. That's the FAA headquarters for those that didn't know, uh, and a couple of retirees who were uh, all interested in this, both personally and professionally. And half of them have come back and told me that there is no active rulemaking underway now to do this. Yeah, there wouldn't be. But the word that we got out of uh, uh, Tom Haynes at AOPA at the uh, uh, Carbondale, uh, Illinois fly-in was the... uh, the NPRM is due out in January, so. Uh, uh, wait a minute, because I saw kind of in conflict with them. Well, not only that, I thought I saw a headline that said that not to expect the uh, the NPRM until January of 2020. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of. Uh, I won't say di- misinformation or disinformation, but there's different different versions of yeah. misinformation. Okay? Right. Um, <laughs> which January are we talking about? Right. It's kind of like, yeah, I want to get the airplane ready and have it a sun and fun. Which sun and fun? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, I think it was Bertarelli had, did some reporting um, about this. and yep. uh, That may be the uh, one I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, there was... 
basically talk of there's been Bertarelli with Avweb, by the way. Yeah. Bertarelli with Avweb, by the way, and um, apparently there's active discussion within the agency about um, uh, some kind of an NPRM uh, to do with this and, and maybe some other. Um, things that are related to what I would call deregulation of Part 91, um, working through Part 61 as well as 91, and and uh, uh, maybe Part 23 and, and some other things. Let's keep in mind also that it's been, uh, I don't think, a year quite yet since the Part 23 rewrite was finalized. Part 23 is that part of the FARS which uh, regulates the uh, design, manufacture, and certification of aircraft. Uh, that FAR has been significantly revised, ostensibly to um, take the uh, small airplane industry closer to the ASTM standards that uh, is kind of the Bible for uh, LSAs. So I, if these rumors are to be believed and, and uh, um, there's reporting, um, Dave's, Dave's contacts and, and Bertarella's reporting and a bunch of other reporting uh, involving um, conversations anyway with, with FAA, manager, FAA management that says all this is on the level and that it, it's all kind of knotted together in one big uh, um, uh, ball of twine. Mm -hmm. uh, and when that twine will start to unravel is anyone's guess. People are saying January uh, 19. Some people are saying 20. Uh, some people are saying 22. Um, wait and see is the punchline. Yeah. I mean, my question comes to the, is not... So you, you characterize it as an ongoing deregulation kind of thing, which maybe that's what it is. Um, I, I see. I think of it in the in in alongside basic med. All right. So so we just got basic med, which basically kind of normalizes the requirements for for pilot medical situations, which is a good thing, um, and and basically opened up a, a lot of aircraft. So a lot of pilots were flying smaller LSA aircraft because they didn't want to risk or whatever the the first class or third class medical rather, and uh, and that's what Basic Med did was to kind of like find a middle ground, and now turning it's almost like they're expanding LSA to be all the airplanes that are covered by Basic Med. Is that an accurate statement? No. So it doesn't go that far. Doesn't go that far. But it goes uh, a ways in that direction. From, from what we know, which is partly through AOPA, partly through AVWEB, partly from the FAA, is that they're looking at a 3,500-pound four-seat limit. Uh, that means a pilot and three 36. passengers for the, uh, the uh, as-yet-unpublished NPRM which we're told will be the NPRM will be published in early 2019, which, you know, following normal practices and timing would mean that we'd probably not see the the rule finalized until, uh, and, and in effect until early 2020. Yeah. Uh, but 3,500 pounds and a pilot and three passengers or basic med 
Oh, and single engine. Uh, basic med lets you go up to ah, okay. 6,000 pounds, All right. a pilot and five passengers, uh, higher speed limit, uh, uh, there's several other areas that basic med covers. Oh, and okay. multi-engine. That's that good. That's good. Okay. won't cover. Well, then yeah. I stand not exactly corrected, but I stand better yeah. informed. Thank you. Basically, yeah, there, there's two or three things going on here. And when I first heard this, and I, I um, um, Tom Horn at AOPA put a, uh, a post up on Twitter um, last weekend mm-hmm. uh, about this, and, and a lot of people were like, huh? You know, what, what, what variety are you smoking this week, Tom? You know? Um, you know, not to say that that, that uh, yeah, okay. T- Dig yourself t- out of this, Jeb. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, not not to say that. Well, let's just let's let's just clip the whole thing out. Yeah, I don't know, but we get your point. Yeah, let's, it was a, it yeah. was a it was a euphemism. It was a, yeah, it's, uh, a it's a euphemism. Yeah, okay. Go I, I'm ahead. sure Tom is not um, exactly that type of anything. exactly exactly. <laughs> um, but you're going to clip this out anyway, right? Oh, uh, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Very, very, yes. Um, we'll we'll the, use it in the after show. This, this, will, come up, this will come up in the next board meeting. Right. Um, but uh, Tom Horn's tweet over the weekend um, got a lot of head scratching started. And, you know, one of my first thoughts was, you know, the FAA really, really, really does not like basic med uh, because it was kind of thrust down their throat by Congress. And, uh, uh, required a bunch of uh, of happy um, um, happy footsteps for them to bring it all into line within the within the mandated deadline, and I I kind of understand that, um, um, but I, I what I don't understand is what the impetus is behind this. Uh, what is the um, where in the FAA is this being advocated? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, may have certainly missed a few memos, but I don't really know or see where the industry has been clamoring for more rollback on these rules. Yeah. With we, we basically, you know, we're still trying to trying to implement basic med. We still have LSA. Um, where's the the hue and cry that we need to to roll this back? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Don't misunderstand, but I also don't see where the where the advocates are for this. Yeah. Um unless it's, you know, FAA's like, you know, uh we really need to to use our resources, uh allocate our resources better and concentrate on commercial operations um and let uh, let the private operations kind of fend for themselves. I don't know. I, I, I find that hard to understand, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. David, so you're, I, I, mean, I, I mean. I'm just scratching my head over the whole thing. No, and, I hear you. Ta- I hear taking you. A, taking a big time wait and see. It, yeah. um, it was fact, kind of a bolt out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah and, there's, there's just no, there's no, no one lobbying for this. No one, no one's building a constituency for this. Well, and I just kind of, yes just, no. just scratching my head. But there's there's been a lot of private conversation between a couple of the alphabet groups and FAA at a couple of the meetings events they get together at every uh, a couple of times a year that uh, has r- r- resurrected the topic of you know if we just raised it to this much it could get in the Skyhawk and the Cherokee and sure and there's great value for that yeah and 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 I think that what that's done is that now that they've had what, 12 or 13 years of experience with LSAs 
and uh, uh, now a couple of years with basic med that some of the folks have said, yeah, okay, maybe this isn't a bad idea. Let's run it up the flagpole and then see what the reaction hmm. is. Okay. All right. Uh, interesting. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's it an interesting. Been a big public, you know, uh, call your congressman, call your senator kind of thing. It's been in the quiet of those meetings that go on between the alphabets and the FAA at Sun mm-hmm. and Fun, at NBAA, at Oshkosh. I said, you know, by the way, you guys giving any more thought to this? Because, boy, it would just take a little bit of a change for 152s and Tomahawks to be included in Right, that. right. Yeah. And, and that, it kind uh, well, of rolls yeah. from there. Yeah. Anyways, right. we, let's, 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 we need to move along here because uh, we need to move along. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no other but it's, reason. It's an interesting, it's an interesting idea, um, and time will tell whether it's a good one or whether it's one that even happens. I don't know. Well, it's either going to happen or there's going to be a whole lot of upset people that the, uh, uh, the uh, news minions at AOPA and EAA and ABWeb all got snookered by an FAA rumor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, wouldn't, I wouldn't go out and trade my LSA for an A thirty six right yet. Yeah. Um, but um, this, I, the one thing I'm certain, this will be a recurring story on on UCAP. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Um, so there's at least a couple more things. We're kind of reaching, starting to reach the end of our allotted time here. But there's a couple more things I really wanted to touch on here. Um, we alluded earlier to this uh, Falcon crash um, where. Uh, and Jeb, I mean, can you give us the short version of what the incident was that happened? The short version here? is a Falcon uh, 50, which is a, a three engine business jet. Uh, and 50 has been around, the basic design has been around since at least the 80s. Um, was landing at Greenville, South Carolina's downtown airport. Uh, the approach and touchdown were normal. Uh, but the airplane, from all reports, failed to decelerate on the runway mm-hmm. uh, and ran off the end of the runway, uh, broke in half. The flight crew were fatally injured. Uh, the two passengers were seriously injured. The airplanes, I'm sure, are right off. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, think- some additional details. Um, the anti-lock brake system was placarded in op um, and... The center engine, the number two engine, which is the only one on this particular airplane equipped with a thrust reverser, uh, was the thrust reverser was seen to deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the cockpit, um, the throttles were were observed after you know after the let me put in, uh, throttles were, were observed in the full throttle position mm-hmm. after the accident and the all three engines continued to run after the accident right um, the word is that two of them well supposedly they all ran at full power continued to run after the accident after the airplane came to rest two of them ran for 20 minutes a third the third one ran for 40 minutes hmm yeah. Uh, after the accident. So um, the punchline in all of this is the left seater on this business jet, for which you have to have a type rating, mm-hmm. had a second in command only type rating mm. on the airplane. Yep. The right seater had no type rating at all. He was just a private pilot private with pilot. a multi engine rating. Um, 
the early word on this is that it was a Part 91 flight, uh, but it's not at all clear to me that that will withstand scrutiny. Okay. And by Part 91 flight, you mean? Non-commercial. Yeah, okay. Um, As opposed to Part 135, which... Sure. Uh, um, or part non-commercial, it could be strict, strict part ninety-one, or it could be ninety-one K. Yeah, um, uh, fractional operator. Yeah, uh, a lot of questions here that we don't know the answers to, and 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 maybe we'll learn some of the answers as time goes on. But the 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 thing that this brings to my mind is the so those of us who I think just about anybody who's a pilot who's hung out at airports for any length of you know years has heard a story about a pilot who doesn't have a license. All right. Um, somebody who's been flying for years and he's either not fully rated or not, not certificated at all. Or, you know, these stories always go around, you know, and they usually end benignly sometimes not. Um, and it kind of goes to the point that there are a lot of circumstances where you can fly an airplane without the proper license. And, and, should that be possible? Should there be more checks to prevent this kind of thing? How are you going to do that? I, I don't know exactly. All right. But, you know, they do it much more effectively in automobiles. Um, so, how do you how so, I mean, I don't know, ramp checking people or I don't know what exactly. All right. I, 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 unless, how do they do unless, it? Unless I get stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I unless I get stopped, I've never been asked for my driver's license. Uh, yeah. Or I, I guess unless I get stopped or I try to vote. Um, um, I remember distinctly one time I was asked for my license, got stopped, asked for my license. I had a learner's permit at the time, mm -hmm. and the guy with me clearly did not qualify as a, an adult over 21 as required by the learner's permit. <laughs> and the cop never, never batted an eye. He's like, you're free to go, you know. Yeah, well, okay. Um, that was, that um, was, I'm know, not necessarily. Alcohol may have been involved. I'm not yeah. sure. And, and I'm um, not campaigning for these kinds of checks. Right. I, I'm no, just no, no, kind of, no. it kind of introduces the question of whether or not we're too casual about uh, something well, here. I think we have a case here, too, where one of the crew members owned the airplane. So who's going to stop, you know, who's going to stop wasn't. It him? wasn't this accident, but there was one recently where I do remember something like that where uh, there was a fatality uh, solo pilot, aircraft crashed. Um, pilot turned out not to have a, a not to have a, a pilot certificate of any kind. Or, mm -hmm. or let's, let's put it another way: he got some training, maybe, and I think it was revoked. Right. Um, and like twenty years ago, it was revoked and um, crashed, and discovered that it, he never had he hadn't had a license since then. Um. <sighs> The alternative here is for um, a FED or a local law enforcement officer to pre-check, uh, and I'm going to use that word advisedly, uh, a pilot before he, he gets in an airplane and takes off. And that, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, I know. For one thing, here at Hidden River, <laughs> um, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Let's put right. it that way. I, 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 you know, I, and I don't like any of these ideas, uh, any of these proposals, but it, it does, well, you know, it's kind of like... The, the flip yeah. side of this is, is this really a problem? You know, here's, here's two instances in one year of mm -hmm. which we're aware. Yeah. Um, now... We're also always, you know, as you as you alluded, yeah, I'm aware of of uh, people flying and filing and flying IFR without an instrument rate. Mm -hmm. 
and and kind of depending on the autopilot to get them out of trouble. Um, does that go on? Sure. Um, often we find out about it in an accident report. But uh, I, I genuinely don't think this is a problem. I, it's not. People, planes are, airplanes are not falling out of the sky because the pilots of them are not rated. Okay. David? Well, and it's, it, 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 we're finding out as more details uh, emerge that uh, there, there were uh, inoperable systems on the aircraft that should have triggered a no-go decision. Uh, I mean, they were on, they, they were required to make a trip, and uh, right. so these, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I think we all know guys like this who shrug and say, "Yeah, but." The, the rules are just for the bureaucrats and all that stuff, and that they get along fine until somebody gets hurt, and then it's all hell to pay. Should we, as pilots, speak up when we know about these situations? But when would you know? I, I don't know. I mean, we've all three of us now alluded to the fact that we know of something like this, or have known at some point. Well, I... uh I remember helping uh, hang glider pilots back off a ramp at Lookout Mountain and Henson's Gap when it was clear that they weren't up to flying in the conditions they were about to fly in. And we had a very, uh, we, we self-policed this because yeah. it was our flying club. Our We owned a site. We owned a landing field. And somebody would show up and they'd, you know, buy a, 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 ment- a membership so they could fly. And you get to check in their uh, their logbook and their uh, ratings, and you know you you haven't flown in wind over five miles an hour yet, and it's twenty gusting twenty five here. Maybe this isn't your day to trash. Yeah, a, a, good you for know, you. A, a, a mountain launch, and the way that we would convince the really obstinate ones would be for somebody to hold the aft wires, the aft flying wires. While somebody else came to the front flying wires with a set of uh, diagonal cutters and said, here's the deal. Back off the ramp or buy new cables. Yeah. No, good for but you. I'm glad. going flying. Uh, yeah. And maybe, I don't know. It's a difficult but, question. Know, I don't self-police. I've never self-policed the people that fly at the airports I've flown from. But as a member of the Tennessee Treetoppers Hang Gliding Club, uh, I was, as we all were, empowered to police the people that flew off of our site. Yeah. Another consideration, I don't know how much of one it is, um, it will be a big deal in this Falcon accident, but uh, uh, is um, each year I have to renew my insurance. And right. They, you know, at one point, you know, they asked, you know, and I, don't, I genuinely don't recall if I had to photocopy uh, my pilot certificate and send it in um, uh, or, or what, but there's clearly ways for insurance companies to research whether or not the, uh, the individual insured pilot has a pilot certificate. Right. Um, and I would guess if I were in a, an aviation insurance company, that's something I would certainly try to check. So... Um, whether, um, you know, the, 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 the free market, and I put that in quotes, um, is the appropriate way to do this through the insurance uh, companies, through the insurance industry, I don't know. 
but I also don't think it's a, a huge problem. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to flip over all the cards here because we're running out of time. Um, and I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to shout-outs. Shout-out. Shout-out. Uh, shout-outs. And while you guys look at the list of shout-outs, I'm going to do a bit of podcast business here. Um, this is a very preliminary thing that may not last forever, or it may be the new thing for UCAP. But I just wanted to kind of invite um, – I'm, I'm, I would like listeners to help us with this, all right? And it's the following. Um, Spotify. Spotify is a, uh, 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 this online, what's usually, it's been music as I understand it. Uh, I'm not a Spotify user, so I'm not very knowledgeable about Spotify. Are either of you Spotify users? I'm not. Jeb, Dave, no? No. So Spotify um, is an online, um, it's been a music service. I believe it's by subscription where you can listen to music for whatever it is, however it works. Spotify recently um, is trying to embrace the world of podcasting um, and has invited podcasts to become available on the Spotify system. So as I understand it, um, in addition to listening to music on Spotify, you could listen to podcasts on Spotify. Um, and and we have signed up uh, uncontrolled airspace to be available through Spotify. Um, and but I really don't know very much about what this really means. And so I would love to hear from some listeners who are Spotify users um, or are adventurous about these kinds of things, and tell me if and how this is working, and whether you like it, and have I not fine tuned it successfully, and whatnot. So um, if you're so inclined. Go to Spotify. I would imagine that you can search for uncontrolled airspace and do whatever it is Spotify is going to allow you to do. Um, and uh, uh, I apologize for being so vague here, but um, uh, I'm not very educated just yet, and I'd like you to help me become educated about how this how this works or might work. And uh, that's about it. Um, send me an email. Send an email to uh, jack at uncontrolledairspace.com or just podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com and uh, let me know what's what about UCAP on Spotify. Shoutouts. What do you got here? Anything here you want to? There's a bunch of things on the little I, section. I got, a, I got a couple. Go ahead, um, Jeb. You start. Okay. Uh, first off, um, happy 50th to, drumroll please, the Boeing 747. Mm-hmm. First rolled out on September 30, 1968. Oh, I feel so old. <laughs> I know. Huh? Um, but uh, um, we're sorry the old. card's late. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We put it on a on a bad dog, and it just didn't get there in time. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, congrats to Boeing. Congrats to uh, the seven four itself. Still going strong. Still in production. Um, perhaps not, you know, in widespread use in the U.S. as a passenger uh, carrier, but uh, still in use worldwide uh, for passengers, but especially on for cargo. And uh, um, there's a link here that we'll try to put in the show notes. Um, Bloomberg, of all people, of all uh, uh, outlets, uh, has something of an homage to uh, the 747 with pictures and mm-hmm. and things like that. It's it's pretty good. It's, it's certainly worth a few uh, of your minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second this second one's going to be a little bit you know, a little bit what? more intricate. Intricate. Um, okay. Yeah. This is to four flight. Um, and I'm going to back up. About two weeks ago, um, did a little overnight trip down to uh, Key West. Yeah. And um, 
so I'm getting ready to leave Key West, and I've got a passenger I need to drop in Tampa. Uh, so I'm filing an IFR flight plan from Key West uh, to Tampa. And ForeFlight has this service where if you use them to file a flight plan, um, they will send you back a note, an email, that is generated essentially by the air traffic control system that tells you what your anticipated route will be. You file, you know, the, the, what you file is not necessarily what you get cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to try to bridge that gap a little bit, ForeFlight will send you back an email saying this is what ATC kicked back as a as a as a potential uh, routing slash clearance. Okay, which was great, and I, I I enjoy that little that little service ForeFlight provides. So they sent me back an email that um, some from Key West to my first uh, um, uh, fix, and then you know I'd filed from that fix straight shot up to Tampa. Well, they, they accepted that first fix, and then they inserted another fix, uh, which was a two-letter identifier, typically reserved for NDBs, with a um, um, radial and distance off of that off of that uh, fix. Really? Okay. Okay. Uh, great. Wonderful. I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out when I get to the, to, the, to the machine. And I looked at it on the map, and it took me to Wisconsin. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and back, thankfully. It took me to, to Wisconsin and then back to Fort Myers, where I picked up the route and went on the rest of the way into Tampa. Okay. And well, you're good to go. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for this, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, I refiled uh, a couple of times. I even called flight service and said, can you tell me? what my filed route is. And the guy read it off and said, all right, that's, that is what I filed. Well, why am I getting this this garbage um, that says i got to go to Wisconsin? And he's like, yeah, that's an ATC thing. I mean, I can't, I can't really help you out. I said, I don't see that on my end, but, you know, let me know if I can help in any other <laughs> way. <you know>? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so went ahead and flew the flight, and there was no vector to Wisconsin involved. Uh, there was no vector, even for that matter, to um, that particular fix. Uh, there was some weather and yada yada and and all this kind of thing. Um, so I never really passed over that fix, never really even passed over uh, Fort Myers. Um, so got back and had a bunch of other uh, stuff to occupy my attention. And this week I decided, you know, I'm going to try to nail this down just for my own ed- education. So uh, I emailed ForeFlight and included screenshots and, and the routings uh, you know, of all this and put it in like four or five page PDF form. said, you know, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah, okay. And uh, they're very responsive. Say, so, you know, that's, you know, the, the initial response was, that's above my pay grade. Let me bucket to the guy who really knows this stuff and okay. he'll be in touch with you shortly. And sure enough, he was. And it turns out to be someone I know casually uh, uh, from, from various online forums over the years. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, this is a head scratcher for us, too. We're going to buck this to ATC um, and get their response. Well, I got the response back this morning from, from uh, this guy. For, and he had he had talked with ATC, and basically, um, the it gets even curiouser and curiouser in that the 
uh, in DB that they were giving me a, a distance and in, in, uh, uh, bearing from has been uh, decommissioned. <laughs> okay. So you're, yeah, all right, yeah. So it, it's it's one of these confluences of, uh, of magic that uh, um, somehow some bit in the database didn't get flipped correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got this routing to Wisconsin. Crazy. It is crazy. Um, I, but but it, it just shows goes to show you, uh, A, question stuff. B, mm-hmm. um, um, even as, as refined as we think all this stuff is, uh, it's, it's not all that refined <laughs> and uh, mistakes can happen. So um, be on your toes. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. So... But you're, so even ATC didn't have the answer. There you go. Well, oh. and there's there's, a, there's two paragraphs here, but I'm not going to read them. Basically, um, um, the, uh, the the facility is still in the in the database. Um, okay, but, but that it's doesn't not, it's not charted. Yeah, uh, it's not meant to exist, and there is no reason to add. Um, uh, there's no reason to try to go in and, and add it to the list of deleted. Um, Navage because there's no way to tell what effect that will have. Right. Okay. Um, but that begs the question of why it was trying to route you through Wisconsin, doesn't it? It does, and the only um, the, the identifier for this particular NDB is Tango November. Okay. TN. Yeah. And TN is all is associated with. A now decommissioned locator outer marker to an airport in South Florida. <laughs> oh, the uh-huh. the identifier for that airport is um, KTNT, which is another uh, um, happy quinky dink. Mm-hmm. Um, the TNT part. Um, there apparently is uh, uh, an outer marker, uh, an NDB something in Wisconsin that I haven't really had a chance to research. Um, that has the same identifier. Okay. Um, and go back way, way, way back. Locator outer markers um, are the basically the, uh, the final approach fix for an ILS back in the day. And they were always coded. They always had an identifier, a two-letter identifier, that was the first two letters of the airport's identifier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this KTNT airport, um, the first two letters of that uh, three-letter identifier are TN, Tango mm-hmm. November. Right. And that's where this all came from. There's apparently another one, as I say, in Wisconsin. Um, that's all I really know right now. Yeah, crazy, huh? It is it, crazy. It puts me in mind of the story we talked about on the podcast a long time ago about a CFI buddy of mine who was telling me the story of um, charted towers like radio towers you know like uh-huh. these these you know you, you see them around the country these monster 2000 foot radio towers that right. that are on the chart and you need to avoid obviously all right um and uh, he was flying along a route um and and he was very 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 familiar with the area so he knew that there was no tower all right but there was a tower on the chart um huh. and um 
and his flight system, whatever nav system he was using, I don't know if it was four flight or what, all right, was absolutely losing its mind trying to warn him, <laughs> all right, about not flying into this tower, all right. right. Um, that on a VFR day, he could see there was no tower and he knew there was no tower, um, but it was in the system. So, you know, um, anyways, self-flying yeah. airplanes or I don't yeah, know. There, there was a time um, the airport here, Hidden River, was not in the database. Yeah. It was not in the Jefferson database. It was not in the Garmin database. Or Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct because I had to enter a user waypoint when I first moved out here. Okay. Um. So every time I get ready to come in here and land, everything turns red and starts honking at me mm-hmm. uh, because, dude, you're going to be a C-fit statistic. Well, yeah, no, exactly. actually, there's, there's no. a runway here. I, runway trust right me, I, I got this. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so welcome, <laughs> welcome to 2018, okay? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, by way of a long shout out. That was interesting though. I like that. That's yeah, very that interesting. That was a long shout out. Yeah. No, 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 don't apologize. It was good. David though, uh you got a shout out? Oh, a couple of real quick ones. Uh the uh D-Day squadron is continuing to add uh C47s, Goonie Birds and Dakotas for the uh 75th anniversary celebration of D-Day coming up in June. Uh and you can see a painting from that night uh, at the length that we oh, have. Yeah. Uh, another shout-out, if you missed Reno, the pe- folks at RARA, the Reno Air Racing Association, uh, have a uh, YouTube page up that has all the races and some interesting interviews with past champions, so you can relive what you missed or re- relive what you saw if you want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally... Shout out to the uh, Commemorative Air Force and a company called Hemlock Films, which sounds fatal, but (laughs) is not. And they're producing a uh, documentary called Rise Above Wasp. And it's the uh, documentary about the uh, women's air service pilots during World War II. Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. I want to check that out. I just saw that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. very, very good. All right. Well, then there we go. Thank you, boys. I appreciate it. It's always fun getting together with you uh, and, and chatting. Yeah, I know. I don't know where that comes from. The, the, you know, the guys, the boys, the whatever. Uh, gentlemen. 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 Capi- El Capitan Higdon. And, uh, Run yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Dave Higdon. Dave is a uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? You're working on way too many things right now, but tell us about a couple of them. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, my weekly business aviation blog for Ab Buyer, which comes out on Friday, uh, uh, provides a snapshot into the FAA reauthorization bill that was just signed into law last weekend. And uh, a good place to start if you want to... Uh, if you want to delve into what happens there, and uh, otherwise, you can find me in uh, Avionics News Magazine and Ab Buyer Magazine. Uh, yeah, occasionally on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know why you'd be interested, but if you are, there I am. There you are, and on on uh, Twitter, you're uh, real Higdon. Real uh, Higdon, on- and uh, on LinkedIn, it's uh, Dave Higdon, uh, Air Scribe, and 
Just Google Dave Higdon in aviation. You'll find out and, more and, nonsense yeah. than you ever wanted to know. Just be ready. Yeah, I know. Right, exactly. And Jeb Burnside. Jeb is a, a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on? Uh, just um, basking in the glow from putting the November issue of Aviation Safety in the can earlier this week. Uh, it'll be uh, on the streets and some of your mailboxes uh, here in, I don't know, two or three more weeks. Yeah. Um, so uh, doing all that, trying to pick up the pieces, uh, gearing up uh, to be at NBAA next week in mm-hmm. Orlando. Um, uh, thankfully, I'm not going to have to get on an airliner for that. Um, and looking forward to that show. Um, in the meantime, um, haven't really been doing a whole lot of work for other outlets lately, but uh, you can find some of my old stuff. Uh, also for the Aircraft Electronics Association at AEA.net, uh, GeneralAviationNews.com, mm-hmm. AvWeb.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a couple I'm missing. Um, and on the Twitter machine, it's Burnside Jack. There you go. Very, very good. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, new media. I, I said that. That's actually not even what it says on my screen in front of me. I've just said that for so many years. We were talking about that recently on uh, on uh, on social media. I'm a digital media producer these days, not a new media producer. Um, I, uh, I'm about to end a long period of being at home. Um, as longtime listeners know, I travel a lot for work, but I've been home for almost two months now uh, working on a variety of personal projects, um, this podcast not being the least of it. Um, but uh, I'm actually about to go back to work here. I'm headed off to uh, San Jose, California uh, on the weekend, and then I'm going to Denver after that, and then I'm going to Phoenix after that. So it's going to be a busy fall for me starting this weekend. But uh, um, anyways, you can uh, you can find me online uh, most places with the username Jack Hodgson. That's my first and last name, just pushed together with no spaces or dots or anything like that. Uh, for example, on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Jack. Hodgson, twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, search uh, for Around the Field in the book section to see my ebooks, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Uh, David, was there something you wanted to t- tell us, say to us, tell yeah, us? I live a long, fruitful, old age life through aviation because uh, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So add some to your life. Go flying. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. We're going to need some more cowbell for the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. <laughs>